Now, friends, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll be taking a detour from our series in John, as this is Resurrection Sunday. Thought we would speak on the resurrection today and reflect on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and what that means for us. Of course, there's many places we could turn to this, but one of my favorite passages on the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The whole chapter is dealing with the resurrection, and not just of Christ, but the resurrection. But our reading will be 1 Corinthians beginning in verse 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verse 1 through verse 28. So if you're there, I invite you to follow along as I read. This is the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, Then to all of the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This is the reading of God's word, and we say, thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, having heard this portion of your word, and as we begin to explore more of what your word has to teach us about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and what that means for us, we ask that you would speak to us, open up our eyes and our ears, and help us to understand your word and to apply it rightly to our lives. We ask that you would do this in Christ's mighty name and all God's people said, amen. So this is the day that we celebrate, well, actually every single Sunday, Sunday morning that we gather, every single Lord's Day is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. amen. Uh, but this one is a unique one in that we it marks this time of year, this point of year, that uh, Jesus was, in fact, crucified uh, in 33 A.D., what many scholars believe. And so today we want to look at a couple of things, features about Jesus Christ's Jesus Christ, resurrection from the dead. And let me begin by, uh, with number one, by looking at the resurrection of Christ. I want to point out four, four points I want to, to bring up today about the resurrection of Christ. And the first one is, is that the resur res resurrection of Christ is definite, definite. You can follow along in your handouts as well. The resurrection of Christ Jesus from the grave is definite. What do I mean by that? What do I mean is that it really and truly happened. That the facts of the resurrection are quite clear from the many eyewitnesses who saw Jesus, saw him alive, touched his body. In fact, Jesus even, as we read, appeared to 500 different people. Jesus appeared to people over the course of 40 days, over a month, before he was ascended into heaven. There are many uh, counter-arguments to the resurrection of Jesus Christ that are out there. I, and, and honestly, I, um, I, some of these are, are quite strange, just to be honest. But these are out there, and if you um, see the... the news articles that come out. It's always, you know it's springtime. Uh, if you emerged from a coma and you were in a room that had no walls and all you had was a, a, news, a, a news stream, I could tell you what time of year it was just because of the articles that come out that doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's the same theories that have been debunked over and over and over again, and yet they come up every year. 
Somehow it seems to work for publishing. I don't, I don't understand. But let me go through some of them and uh, some of these, these, count, these arguments about the resurrection of Christ being doubted. And I want to show that those are uh, untrue. And in fact, Jesus Christ's resurrection from the grave is actually um, definite. It's definitively happened. First of all, is the mostly dead theory. How many of you are already thinking of Princess Bride and Wesley? Yes. The most, he's not dead. He's only mostly dead. The mostly dead theory, or sometimes it's called the swoon theory, is that Jesus didn't, in fact, die. He was close to death. But then when they took him off of the cross, wrapped him up, and put him in a cool cave, he was able to be revived again. I, and I, I'm starting maybe with this, maybe the most absurd one. I don't know. Um, that uh, theory, however, is, um, is profoundly ignorant of just how brutal crucifixions were. I don't want to get into the graphic detail about how brutal crucifixions were, uh, but they were highly effective. You did not survive. And Jesus' death, in fact, passed even the Roman guard's final test to make sure that the death had happened was when the sword pierced his side. Believe me, the, the Romans were not amateurs when it came to the effectiveness of making sure somebody suffered brutally, a brutal, brutal death. So that fails to understand just how horrific crucifixions were. Jesus, in fact, was dead, was confirmed by many people before he was wrapped up and put into a grave. Here's the, here's the second one. Here's the magic theory. And, uh, or sometimes the hallucination theory that Jesus, um, uh, that Jesus did, in fact, die, but just the believers were tricked into thinking uh, or Jesus didn't die, but the believers were tricked into thinking he was. Uh, and this doesn't seem to line up with the multiple times that Jesus appeared. And the multiple places that Jesus appeared. And with the multiple peoples that he appeared to. Jesus, as I mentioned, appeared to people over the course of 40 days. Jesus appeared to people in various places. He appeared to them, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to the disciples in the upper room. He appeared to them at the Sea of Galilee in Jerusalem. And that he appeared to many disciples. And then it even says, as we saw in our passage today, he appeared to 500 at one time. 500 people at one time don't hallucinate. Unless you're going to some strange concert or something and using other sorts of uh, hallucinogenic drugs, 500 people do not hallucinate that they saw Jesus. So it wasn't magic. It wasn't mostly dead, nor was it mistaken identity. There's a theory that goes around that says Jesus, that there was an impersonator who was impersonating Jesus. It wasn't, wasn't really Jesus, but it was someone impersonating him. But this doesn't seem to fit with the facts either because the disciples, the, the Bible tells us, the disciples uh, were, were hesitant to believe that it was Jesus when they first saw him. Which makes 
sense because they had just witnessed his brutal murder. The idea that they would see him alive uh, so quickly would, would, would raise some doubts or suspicion. So the, the idea of a personator is somebody, they, the disciples didn't really, they weren't really sure that it was Jesus to begin with. Not only that, Jesus had showed Thomas his actual wounds because Thomas doubted and disbelieved and Jesus showed his wounds. How do you impersonate actual crucifixion marks? Jesus had lived with these disciples for three years, by the way. So how, how can an impersonator keep up his impersonation act for the period of 40 days? especially if they, the disciples had known him so well over three years. Now, it wasn't mistaken identity. Jesus wasn't mostly that he was truly dead. It wasn't an hallucination. It wasn't a magic trick. Nor was it mystical. Some will even put forward this theory that it was just a spiritual resurrection. It wasn't his actual body. The body was still dead. Um, maybe it was in the grave or maybe it was stolen. Um, but he only kind of spiritually appeared to people. So think of like Obi-Wan Kenobi coming to, to Luke. He's just kind of this glowing apparition. No, remember, Jesus showed him his wounds. He says, hey, touch me. You can see. Does a ghost have skin and bones like I have? Jesus said. And then he goes, hey, I'm hungry. You guys got anything to eat around here? So no, it wasn't a spiritual resurrection. It was an actual physical bodily resurrection. Nor does the theory of malfeasance work, that the disciples stole the body and just claimed that he rose from the dead. But you remember that there was a station of Roman guards assigned to guard the tomb. Remember the account says that as the disciples go, they could see that the grave clothes of Jesus were left in the spot. Now, if this is through malfeasance, the disciples are sneaking in around this whole uh, garrison of Roman soldiers, moving away the, the stone, getting inside of the tomb, and then taking the time to unwrap Jesus and leave all of the burial garments there, and then taking his bloody body out to just go around two days three days later and say, oh, no, he just resurrected. Does not quite fit. Furthermore, the disciples had even fled because they assumed that they were next. So, no, the stolen body theory doesn't work either. And then lastly, the one that, that I've heard a few times before is a is a metaphorical resurrection. That the actual physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, whether it happened or not, this is more of kind of the postmodern take, whether it happened or not in history, whether it was true in history, isn't as important as the truthiness of it. 